Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Laguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by Loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. And uh, this show is sponsored by Loserpool.com. It's a fantastic new betting game. If you haven't already, do head over to their website, www.loserpool.com. Sign up, get involved. There are some brilliant cash prizes to be won. You won't want to miss out. Um, and, you know, to top it all off, it's great fun. So let's begin uh, from the pre-match, I suppose. Let's let's look at Unai Emery's team selection and how we lined up up at the Etihad or the Empty Had, as it's become known of late. Um, when I saw the team sheet, I must admit, I thought that Arsenal were playing with three centre-backs. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm being completely honest. And, you know, when you looked at it, it was Leno, Licksteiner, Mustafi, Koscielny, Monreal, Kalasinac, uh, sorry, almost a jacker there, Guendouzi, Torreira, and then Iwobi, Aubameyang and Lacazette. And, and you kind of thought that Monreal was going to tuck in as a third centre-half perhaps with Kalasinac uh, and Licksteiner playing as wing-backs. But to my surprise, when the game started, that wasn't the case. Um, Arsenal had actually lined up in a 4-4-2 system uh, which was, you know, surprising to say the least. Um, not something I can remember us using this season, or certainly not from the start of a game. We might have switched into it, uh, you know, when chasing a goal or something like that from time to time. But it's never been our system from the start. Uh, not that I can remember anyway. But yeah, so, you know, surprised straight away to see see the way we lined up. Um, if... Unai Emery was adamant on playing that system. A little bit surprised as to why Kalasinac was playing as a, a wide midfield player. I know that he gets forward quite effectively and he has you know, contributed to a lot of goals this season in terms of assists and even got a couple himself. But for me, I, I find that a bit strange because I think with fullbacks, when they get forward from the fullback position... They come late, they arrive late, they're undetected most of the time, more often than not. And that's why they're effective. The minute you play those players in an actual midfield position, a wide midfield position, then all of a sudden the element of surprise is gone, isn't it? They're, they're marked for the entire game. Um, and, and it's just a completely different kettle of fish. When you, when you come in late, um, as a wing-back, you know, as I said, you come in undetected, you come in late. And people often don't expect you to arrive. So it's it's a very different position. And I just think that, you know, that is a questionable decision on Unai Emery's part. Um, but anyway, forget about that. Because in actual fact, Arsenal had basically thrown the game away inside a minute anyway, when Alex Iwobi decided to try and dribble his way out of trouble. Um, it, it was a bit of an embarrassing situation, to be honest, because... Right from the off, we were pinned back and we had pretty much all 10 outfield players inside our own penalty box. Ball breaks to Matteo Guendouzi. I think he should smash it clear. But, um, you know, we're a team who are obsessed with playing out from the back. Unai Emery's drilled that into the players. And perhaps that played on, on Matteo Guendouzi's mind when he decided to play the ball to the right-hand side to Alex Iwobi. Now, Alex Iwobi took the ball under control pretty comfortably. Um... But then he dilly-dallied on it, didn't he? And and he ended up losing possession. The cross came in and there was Sergio Aguero 
a striker who, who doesn't make mistakes in front of goal, does he? More often than not, Sergio Aguero finds the back of the net. And, you know, it doesn't matter what, what game plan Unai Emery had at that point. It didn't matter how much preparation he'd put on the training ground during the week or how much of a surprise the 4-4-2 was to Manchester City. The fact was that we found ourselves a goal down within a minute. And, and so your game plan goes out the window. Um, but then, t- to Arsenal's credit, I thought we played pretty well after that for a, a, quite a, a long period of time. And we ended up finding an equaliser. It was a set piece. Um, the flick on at the near post, I think, was from Monreal. And, and Lauren Koscielny was there to to stoop and head it into the back of the net. And you're thinking, great, we've dragged ourselves back into this game um, you know, against all odds and having started so poorly... We're now back in it and the momentum is with us. And you've got to say, for the most part of the first half, Arsenal looked pretty comfortable. Yes, City had lots of the ball. Um, Arsenal kind of threatened to do something on the break a couple of times. The final pass was just missing. I remember one particular instance when Lacazette uh, tried to play Aubameyang in behind, but Edison was on his toes and he came out and cleared it. So, you know, it was so far so good and, and half time started to um, to approach and, and you thought you know what guys we've done alright here we really have done alright Arsenal are going to go in level at half time at the Etihad having gone behind inside a minute and you feel like the pressure had been lifted off Alex Iwobi's shoulders as a result of us getting that equaliser and you know we can really push on here but a lapsed bit of defending again cost us and this time it was Stefan Lichsteiner's fault I think um, I've watched it a couple of times. I, I, I guess the blame lies with him. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a, it's a typical Manchester City goal, ball up across the box and Aguero's there to tap it into an empty net. Now, the thing with Manchester City is, and, and people who have studied Pep Guardiola's style of football or watched any sort of um, interviews or, or analysis with any of his ex-players will, will tell you this. Pep Guardiola's side specialise in making the pitch as wide as they possibly can. That's what it's all about. It's about making as much room as you can. It's about pulling defenders out of position. It's about uh, opening gaps between defenders and, and creating the spaces for your runners to get into. And, and I think there was a good piece of analysis, I think it was a couple of years back now, where Thierry Henry spoke about how when playing under Guardiola, he was told to pull right onto that touchline. Um, and you know what? If the defender follows you out there, then he's left a massive hole between him and the centre-back. But if he doesn't, you've got space to receive the ball. Now, Raheem Sterling uh, was doing that all day long. He, he's a fantastic footballer. Um, I always say that he's England's most talented individual. But he kept pulling out to that to that left flank, didn't he? He kept receiving the ball right on the touchline. And then Stefan Lichstein has got a problem because... Does he go out there? Does he confront him? Does he try and get tight with him? But then you run the risk of him skipping past you or you're leaving a massive hole between you and your centre-back. So that's a common issue caused by sort of the way Pep Guardiola's wingers operate. And in order to try and counter that and not leave gaps between our defence, it was as though Unai Emery had instructed our team to play very narrow, uh, and be very compact. And a, a colleague of mine on another podcast today said that you could have thrown a blanket over the Arsenal defence. That's how compact and narrow they were. And that's absolutely right. 
But the issue with that is you're then allowing Raheem Sterling, for example, to get the ball under his spell and run at you. Now, I don't care how good a defender you are in a one-on-one situation. When a player is tricky, as quick and as, as talented as Raheem Sterling's driving at you with the ball at his feet, you've got problems. You know, the minute you give him that space to get going and get, uh, you know, sorry, find his stride, then you've got a real problem, haven't you? Because you're not really going to win the ball back unless you clatter him. The chances of, of him skipping past you are pretty high. If you dive in, he'll probably go the other way. It's, it's a really difficult situation. But Manchester City are better than anyone at exploiting those areas and pulling the ball back across goal, back across the six-yard box. And, you know, we paid the penalty for that. And, and it just felt as though with our fullbacks being pulled into those positions, I'd have liked to have seen particularly... In Ser Kalasinac's case, where he's actually a left back, I'd have liked to have seen him protect Nacho Monreal a little bit more on that side, and and Alex Iwobi should have protected Lichtsteiner more, but that wasn't happening. And then what happens is Torreira and Guendouzi get pulled out into those positions, and then all of a sudden, Manchester City's midfield runners and the likes of Kevin De Bruyne are able to break right at the heart of your defence and right on onto your back four and, and dominate possession and, and eventually strangle you. And that's kind of what happened. But for me, you know, the first half wasn't all doom and gloom. It was two poor moments, really, from an Arsenal perspective. Manchester City hadn't done a great deal uh, in terms of opening us up. I thought Arsenal would cope pretty well. I thought as the half went on, we grew into the game. But then half time came. And you thought, you know what, we are 2-1 down, but we're still very much in this game. It's only one goal. And, uh, you know, we've got Lacazette on the pitch. We've got Aubameyang on the pitch. And, you know, let's have a go at Manchester City. Why not? We've got the talent to hurt them. So the second half begins and the, the performance just dropped completely. I mean, I think that the whole team looked absolutely knackered. Other people have said that too. Um which shouldn't be the case, should it? You know, professional footballers playing in the Premier League shouldn't be um, blowing out of their asses just after half-time. I thought that Manchester City just controlled possession even more so than they had in the first half, and we were chasing shadows for the most part. But I think the most disappointing thing about that second half was the fact that we didn't even have an attempt at goal. So you're chasing the game, you're just a goal behind Manchester City. You've got bags of striking talent on the pitch, but you don't create anything and you don't even have an attempt at goal. For me, that's not acceptable. And and this is where I kind of take issue with, with Unai Emery now because you're talking about a lack of creativity. And I know we say this all the time and, and I say this all the time on this podcast and I say it on other podcasts and radio shows too, but... You can't complain about not creating chances and then leave Mesut Ozil. And even Aaron Ramsey, even Denis Suarez, I know he's brand new and, yeah, there's a very strong argument that he shouldn't have been thrown in. I get that, so I'm not overly fussed about that one. But Ramsey and Ozil were both left on the bench and, as a result, there was no one breaking forward to join the strikers, as Aaron Ramsey would, and there was nobody capable... Of, of threading a pass through the eye of a needle to try and get our players in behind. So you can talk about Ozil being a passenger when he's on the pitch in this type of fixture. But in fact, Arsenal had two passengers on the pitch. 
because neither of our strikers had any impact on that game. You know, you'd have been better off playing Aaron Ramsey um, as opposed to one of the forwards and asking him to drop back in the midfield when we were defending, uh, be an extra body. But also, he's got the ability to push on and get involved higher up the pitch and, and cause teams problems. So for me... It just didn't make sense, you know, and I felt it was really, really negative. It felt as though Unai Emery had just kind of accepted that the game was over at half time, and, and for me, that's not on. Um, you know, Mustafi went off injured late on with sort of a, a head problem, or, he, you know, he'd been involved in a clash, and Unai Emery, his comments were lost in translation, but he mentioned something about Mustafi's head. Lots of jokes going around about that, but, you know, then Mavropanos comes on as a straight swap. And I just think, you know, you're three one down. There's not really long to go, is there? Why not throw a forward player? Why not throw a forward thinking player on instead? Um, and, and, you know, ask Monreal to drop into centre-back, tuck Kolasinac back a little bit and, and try and give Manchester City something to worry about in the last 10, 15 minutes. And it just felt as though we'd given up. Arsenal were resigned to defeat. And, you know... Of course, the reaction after Arsenal get beat is always a bad one. It's probably all, always over the top as well. And I, I, I'm probably guilty of that sometimes as well when I take to Twitter straight after a game. And I guess, you know, that's probably why I don't record these podcasts immediately after games. And I normally wait till the next day because you watch it back. You think calmly, um, a little bit more rationally and, and you can kind of make better judgments in that frame of mind. So... Yes, there was an overreaction, um, but this overreaction, I can't speak for everyone else, but for myself, this overreaction was because I've been fed up of watching Unai Emery change things constantly. Um, you know, a manager who came into the club and, and we heard so much about his philosophy, his ethos, yet the ethos and philosophy that he started the season with has been abandoned. And now after a series of, of sort of worse results. You know, we went on that great run. Then we had a little bit of a blip, didn't we? Um, we? We lost a couple of games and we drew a couple of games. And then it was as though Unai Emery had given up faith in what he had been doing so far this season and started changing it. And it feels like he's a desperate man now looking to change things every week in, in hope that what he does is going to work, it's going to click and that Arsenal are going to perform well and win a game. Um, you know, consistently, because we have performed well at times this season. But the worrying thing is that I can count those times on one hand. If I think about it, it's probably the Spurs game, Liverpool uh, at the Emirates, Chelsea um, and, and Fulham are probably the four games that come to mind. I might have missed one, but just thinking off the top of my head now, that's what comes to my head. And it, it baffles me because I would like to see Unai Emery give it a good go um, the Unai Emery way but the problem is I don't know what the Unai Emery way is anymore because I've seen so many different formations so many team selections in the past few weeks that you know surely the players are starting to think as well does this guy know what he's doing does he believe in what he's doing and, and I can't it sounds silly but I, I'd kind of prefer it if Unai Emery just had a, a system had an 11 obviously given that they're all fit um, and try to stay as close to that 11 as he possibly could, obviously injuries permitting, and played the same system week in, week out, to the point where 
we're improving in that in that way of playing in that style you know Jurgen Klopp when he first came to Liverpool you know it didn't really work straight away but you could see what he was trying to do because the system the formation was consistent now yes the top managers do tweak their systems depending on their opponents but you can only tweak a system once you understand the basic concepts of that system and Arsenal right now in my view look like a team who don't know what they're supposed to be doing from week to week because it's changing all the time so you know Unai Emery for me got it wrong again um I'm not saying I want him sacked and, and I get so many tweets every time I do one of these podcasts from people telling me that give him time give him time give him time give him a couple of transfer windows well first of all the first thing I'll say is there's no point in giving transfer windows to a manager at a club who quite clearly don't want to spend any money and don't want to back him. They gave him £70 million in the summer. Um, you know, maybe they didn't give it directly to Unai Emery, but they spent £70 million. Who brought the players in? Uh, I don't know for sure. It seems like somebody else had a hand in that rather than Unai Emery making the decisions. If the structure was working as we're told it should have been working, then it would have been Sven Mislintat, it would have been Rouse and Leahy maybe um, bringing those players in. But it feels like we've spent £70 million. We've brought in four defensive-minded players. None of them have improved us defensively. So as a board, you're probably looking at that and thinking that's bad business. And, and if you're Stan Kroenke, you're probably thinking, I've given you £70 million. You've not used it wisely. Now I'm not giving you anything in January. And, and that's probably what's happened, isn't it? Um and, you know, in the summer, again, the transfer budget, I don't think will be anything uh, to shout about. I think that Arsenal, of course, are very keen on, on operating in a self-sustaining way. And that's Kroenke's business plan. And the longer we stay out of the Champions League, the longer that's going to continue. Because at the end of the day, we're a Europa League club now and we need to work to our Europa League budget. So the longer this goes on, the harder it's going to be to get out of it. You can't see Stan Kroenke putting his hand in his pocket and investing in the players we need. Um, so the solution is we need to find a manager who can get a maximum out of this group. And I don't think, you know, for all the faults that this squad of players have, I don't think that Unai Emery is getting the maximum out of them. I think there's more to Skodran Mustafi than what we're seeing. You know, Stefan Lichtsteiner, yeah, he's aged but you don't just become a shit fullback overnight, having won so many titles with Juventus. You look at Lucas Torreira and, and the way he started his Arsenal career and you think there's more than what we're currently seeing in there. Aubameyang scoring goals for fun this season, but even him, you look at him and you think there's more to this guy. He can do more than he's currently doing. And, you know... Mesa Ozil's in the squad and he's not getting a look in. Aaron Ramsey, yeah, he's off, but at the moment he's still an Arsenal player, so why not use him? Why not try and get the maximum out of him? The, the fact of the matter is that the money situation isn't going to change while Stan Kroenke's in charge. Arsenal are never going to go out and spend huge money on signings without bringing in huge money for players that we've sold. At the moment, we haven't got any assets worth a great deal of money to do say what Liverpool did, sell a Coutinho and, and fund uh, the revolution. We can't do that because we don't have those assets. We've got Mesut Ozil there on a bumper contract who, you know, is not a silly man. He's not going to walk away, is he? He's, he's happy 
to take that kind of money week in, week out, and who wouldn't be? So it just feels like people are, are giving Emery the benefit of the doubt because A, it's early, and that's right, they're correct to do so, but B, because they think he hasn't been back yet, and they think that he needs a few transfer windows. Well, I'm telling you as an Arsenal supporter that he won't be backed. He won't be backed enough to achieve the things he needs to achieve uh, you know, from a, a financial point of view, the club are not going to say, here's 50 million, go and get yourself a centre-half. Here's 40 million, go and get yourself a centre midfielder. We're quite clearly shopping in the bracket below the likes of City, the likes of Liverpool. So we need a manager who's more pragmatic than Unai Emery, who's able to get results um, consistently, who has a system that the players can buy into and a system that they can master. I... I personally think that somebody like Rafa Benitez would have this team more well-drilled than Unai Emery does. Um, You know, when you look at the job he's doing at Newcastle at the moment, they're defending pretty well for a side uh, battling for relegation. But that is a championship squad that he's got at his disposal, yet he's able to get the maximum out of that group of players. Imagine you had a manager at Arsenal that could get the maximum out of our group because our defensive individuals are not as bad as some of the the other clubs who have better defensive records than us so what does that tell you it's a tactical issue it's a system problem yes there are a lot of individual errors in there too Alex Iwobi yesterday was a prime example of that but you know aside from that tactically we're all over the shop Uh, and you know I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith in Unai Emery I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that we we make the top four. And even if we don't make the top four, as long as we give it a good go and we're still in the hunt come the last few weeks of the season, I'd say that's progress. And I'd say that Unai Emery deserves another year. But for me, I always question whether Unai Emery was actually Arsenal's first choice because the fact that he's been given a two-year contract kind of tells me that he's only got two years to do something here. And, And if a club had real faith in the manager they'd probably give him a three four year deal so I was surprised at that and you know I think what's probably happened is Unai Emery was interviewed along with a a load of other candidates and Unai Emery was probably the only one willing to work in the way that Arsenal wanted him to work and what I mean by that is work under a director of football work under a head of recruitment um, and and work on a, a low budget now Unai Emery's Worked on low budgets before, hasn't he? He was at Valencia when they were in dire straits uh, financially. Um, He'd done a a, a decent job at Sevilla. People always talk about those Europa League trophies that he won. I'm not taking that away from him because it is a good achievement. But the Europa League wasn't as valuable as it is now back then because there wasn't a Champions League spot up for grabs as a result. Uh, And that... You know, that's added an edge to the Europa League. You know, you saw how seriously we took it last season uh, once we'd gotten to the knockout stages at least. So, yeah, I mean, a game like Manchester City away doesn't make or break your season. I don't think that we have any right to go there and win. I didn't expect us to go there and win. But what I did expect was, having been in the game at half time, I expected Arsenal to be a little bit more positive and and try and get themselves back in the game. And I felt that Emery's tactics prevented us from doing that. I felt that Emery's substitutions prevented us from doing that. 
you know, poor Denis Suarez comes on, uh, you know, and and didn't really have a, a, any impact. But that's understandable. It's not the ideal debut for a player like Suarez, especially someone who prides himself on his technical ability and being a bit of a luxury player, if I'm honest. You know, we're chasing goals. Mesut Ozil still can't get on the pitch. There's just so many things I'm questioning at the minute. And, um, yeah, like I said, I'm starting to lose faith a little bit in Unai Emery's methods. I hope I'm wrong. We've got a, a decent run of fixtures coming up. Hopefully he can go on a little bit of a run and restore some confidence uh, and get us back to back to winning ways. Right, that's enough from me. I've rambled on for long enough. Uh, so... Let's hear from Mike Stavrou. Man City 3, Arsenal 1. And the story really has not much to do with the actual action on the pitch. More so to do with the fact that the LA Rams were in the Super Bowl last night. Stan Kroenke's um, pet, the Rams, um, who he built a $1 billion stadium for. While he remains the only investor of any Premier League club. Um, to not have put any of his own money into it. And really, that complete stark difference um, in the teams uh, from from the top. You know, all of uh, Man City's Arab owners were there supporting um, their team while Stan was, you know, up in um, in Atlanta to watch the Super Bowl. And that's, that's the difference, really. Ultimately, um, before we even go into what happened on the pitch... Um, when you look at the investment that um, the Arab owners have put into City, they've pumped money in to the point where they have, you know, two, three quality players per position, and we're struggling to even field, you know, um, four defenders. Uh, Stefan Lichtsteiner wouldn't even call a defender. I don't know what he was doing for that second goal. It's absolutely all over the place. And ultimately, that's where the difference lies. Man City invested, um, I think it was over 100 million, 150 million in fullbacks last year. Uh, Mendy, Danilo and Carl Walker. While, you know, we're struggling with um, our usual right-back, Hector Bellerin, who's improved, he's out. And then uh, on the other side, Serk Lassenach, we got on a free... Lichstein also on a free. Monreal's ageing, we haven't replaced him. And I think this whole squad requires a lot of surgery. Um, from from the, from the top down, really, the entire squad, I think we've got decent attackers. Um, we've got some good midfielders, uh, but ultimately no width in, in our play. Uh, the only creativity comes from the wing-backs. You know, Messer Ozil and Aaron Ramsey on the bench. I don't know what Emery's thinking of that. And it does get to a point in the season now, you know, 25 games in, you do have to start questioning Emery. And you can say that he hasn't got much money, which is fair. Uh, hasn't been given loads to invest, which is also fair. But when you start looking at the performances on the pitch and you question his tactics, you know, why you would go um, away to City and concede in the first 48 seconds, you know, how can... Obviously, it was an individual error with Iwobi, but what does that say about the mentality of your defence when Alex Iwobi's trying to take on, you know, a Man City defender on the edge of his box, lose possession once and does it again and ultimately leads to a goal? And, you know, when you go 1-0 down in the game uh, so early like that, we did really well to come back, but Man City's dominance just shone through. I mean, there's not even point talking about... There was no contest, really. They were just a far superior side. And I think Emery really has to look at himself too. 
with um, his team selection. You know, as I said, leaving Ramsey and Ozil on the bench when we got no creativity. Um, I can't even blame Aubameyang and Lacazette because there was no link. There was no link between the midfield and attack. They got no service. So how can you blame them? And um, the defence is shambolic. I mean, how many times do we have to say it? There's been no improvement whatsoever in the defence. Um that's a mixture of coaching, also a mixture of a lack of quality. Um, I just want to note, you know, how Liverpool, they were poor defensively last season, brought in Van Dijk in January. You know, a leader, a big, strong defender. He transformed them. And that do has to, that does have to do with Klopp's um, philosophy, the fact that he sets his team up to counter-press. But they've been doing less of that this season. And they have been really just relying on Van Dijk, organising um, you know, telling people where to be at what time, getting his head on everything. And we really, really need someone like that. Whether we'll get it, I don't think so. You know, I, we've been promised the budget in the summer. What that will be will be a pittance compared to with the likes of our rivals. And it does get to that point where you do start to question um, where are we going? Obviously, in the last few weeks, Sven Mislintat... Um, has left on parted ways and when he first when he first came uh, he said he'd imagine spending 10 to 12 years with a club um he's been out in 14 months so and that's the kind of guy that you wanted to look forward and um the self-sustaining structure everyone's talking about uh, that's the kind of guy you want to bring in players with a low fee and improve them and make the team better. You know, almost when you look across at Spurs and see how good of a job they're doing, they haven't signed a player in two transfer windows. They're still above us. They're still only a couple of points behind the top two. So you have to look at that and say, you know, how are we getting it so wrong? And I think it will take a while um, if we employ a technical director. Someone needs to sort out this mess of finances. Someone needs to get these players like Mr Ozil, you know, they need to sell them ultimately because you can't have someone who's on the bench for Man City earning 350 grand a week doesn't come on as a sub and you bring Mavropanos on. It's not on. Something needs to happen. And, you know, I think ultimately um, there needs to be a whole complete switch up um, from the board. You know, Kroenke, he's, he's, got to, he's got to go if Arsenal have any ambition of moving forward as a club. And until that happens, until there's a complete overhaul of the entire system I'm afraid it'll probably be more of the same and our second contributor this week is the brilliant Chris Davison hi everyone I hope you're all doing okay so a 3-1 defeat for Arsenal at the Etihad yesterday am I surprised well I suppose you could say I am because 3-1 isn't a bad scoreline um at the Etihad for any team um, to be on the losing side anyway and when you look at our defence at the moment against that Man City attack it probably could have been a lot worse but um, you know the disappointing thing is is obviously the defeat of course but to concede so early on um, in the first minute of the game um, through a a mistake um, as well from Alex Awobi um, and the the lack of uh, marking that was around Aguero at that time was 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 of course like I said very disappointing and it was a bit of a blow for us a blow for any team to go that um, uh, down so early but um, you know we we did get back up and we we did fight and we got back into the game through the Kashani equaliser and from then onwards I thought we'd done all right um, and it was just such a 
shame we had to go and concede before half time as well because I genuinely do think if we were still um, level at the break then things may have panned out differently so to concede again just before half time was 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 a shame um, but look you know obviously the game ended 3-1 Man City always looked a bit more of a threat than we did. It's got, it's got to be said, and we've got to be honest with ourselves. Man City are just miles above Arsenal at the moment. They've got so much quality throughout their team, and Arsenal, unfortunately, haven't, in my opinion. And going forward, we're, we're always dangerous, you know, and we create a lot of chances. But our defence is just far too weak and wobbly at the moment to be able to deal with teams like Man City um, and the quality that they have. So. Of course, whenever we lose, I'm always disappointed, but I'm not surprised that we didn't get anything out of yesterday's game. It was always going to be a very tough ask. But look, we get up, we go again, as uh, as they uh, say um, in football, and hopefully we can go and get the three points and bounce back in the next game because um, it's really important that we try and fight for the top four because it is extremely tight this year. Um and so is sort of uh, fifth and sixth as well with uh, Man United catching up. Obviously, they've, they've just gone above us. Um, Solskjaer's doing a great job since coming in. So it's really important we try and get as many points as possible now and keep up the momentum, put up a fight in, uh, in that top six um, part of the table and just try our hardest. Um, you know, Emery getting quite a bit of criticism again. Look, okay, fair enough. You can have your own opinion on the manager, but I'm still sticking by him. I'm still going to support him for the rest of this season, through right through to next season as well. He needs to be given time. Still very early days. He needs to be given a few transfer windows as well to keep building this team. Um, so it's obviously a season um, which we all thought it was going to be. You know, a bumpy. A bumpy season, um, lots of ups and downs, uh, and still that um, inconsistency um, with the with the team. Um, but in my opinion, that was always going to be the case with Unai Emery's first season in charge. So he needs time. This team needs time. I'm sure some of you are getting sick and tired of hearing that, but we've got to face the reality. We want a change. We've got it. And um, now it's just about moving forward, building the team uh, how Emery wants to and um, just seeing where things go. It's going to be touch and go. Of course it is. But we've got to be patient. So onwards and upwards, we go again. um, And hopefully we can get the three points and bounce back in the next game. That brings us to the end of episode 49. Thank you once again for listening. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Also, subscribe. If you're on iTunes, subscribe. Leave us a review. Uh, You guys know the drill by now. Also, if you're a fan of Italian football, my new podcast launched this week. Head over to Simply Serie A. That's the title. You can find it on Twitter, at Simply Serie A. It's in my bio as well. Um, But it is now available on iTunes, it's available on YouTube uh, and SoundCloud. Uh, We'll be doing our first review show uh, and that will be out on Wednesday morning. So do stay tuned for that. Um, Plenty of action in Syria to discuss this week. So uh, please do me a favour, support this brand new show. Um, I know it's not Arsenal related, but I'm sure there are plenty of you out there uh, who are interested in Italian football. Uh, You know, it is a very historic league. Um, and one with lots of tradition and passion uh, surrounding it. So do please check that out. 
Um, big thank you once again to our sponsors, Loserport, and thank you once again to every single one of you for tuning in. I'd like to apologize for the sound quality again. I am recording this on the move, um, first day back at work uh, after my paternity leave, and to sound busy is an understatement. So I've had to record this one on my phone again, but I do, so I do apologize for that, but I hope you've still enjoyed it, and uh, I'll be back on Thursday with the preview show. So until then, take care.